0: Welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, and my co-host, Christian Conway.
1: Happy Easter weekend. Much like he has risen, I am rising this beer to my lips.
0: Cheers. It is episode four, and we are going to talk about... It's a late night special, too. It is. Yes, we're coming at you on a Saturday night after 10, after dark. Um after Christian and I are thoroughly exhausted he's in grad school and I I work <laughs> I work at a restaurant so it is it is long hours. Um but we are so excited and so happy to be able to talk soccer even when our teams are not looking so great. We're starting with the US men's national team not qualifying for the Olympics.
1: Yeah, that I mean that Olympic tournament was kind of a strange tournament because I think if you had asked me last year how positive I felt about the U.S. men's national team going to that Olympics qualifying tournament, I would have said, well, I think they've really got this. But, you know, it's not an official FIFA date. I think a lot of people expected and I, and I, and I heard this a lot and especially on um, ESPN and a lot of other national news outlets and they were wondering why. Excuse me, like the likes of Eunice Musa and Christian Polisic and Gio Reyna and Josh Sargent were all with the Mains men's national team. Well, that's because it was a friendly date on the FIFA calendar, which means they are obliged clubs are obliged to release their players to the full national team, but they're not necessarily obliged to release their players to the U-23s. And I think a lot of those teams, looking at a very compressed schedule that's happening in Europe right now, I mean, we're looking, you know, March, April the season ends in May and then we have the Euros and then we have the season begin again. And then we have, you know, a lot of other stuff going on. They felt more confident and with COVID restrictions, et cetera, just felt a little bit better about releasing their players to the full national team rather than sending them to Guadalajara and Mexico. So Jason Kreis and his coaching staff were kind of put in a weird bind. Um, they had to go to a lot of MLS sides and basically said like, Hey, you know, who are you willing to give us? I think that's a, it was not a great place for the United States to be. And I think, especially in the game against Honduras, where Honduras did what a lot of teams in CONCACAF will do to the Americans, which is basically they will sit in a low block 4-4-2 and just make the day difficult. The United States just looked slow and they looked uh, plotting is kind of the word I'd use. Like they just didn't look fast enough. They didn't move well enough in the midfield. And I, and I said this earlier a lot on Twitter about this, this team where I said, well, it's all long and good if we're going to play three number 10s in midfield and, you know, try to create through all three of them. But A, it offers no defensive solidity. And B, it offers kind of, it just slows everything down. And they just looked slow. They looked indecisive. It was was miserable to watch against Honduras. And I think Honduras, the well-deserved winners. And I agree with a lot of the people that on Twitter kind of came out and said, like, well, why are the United States being kind of this arrogant side that says, like, well, we didn't deserve to lose to them. How how dare you? It's like no, like Honduras played the better game that night. Like and there's no question in my mind. I mean, Honduras was daring in the attack. Their attacking core was significantly better. They knew how to unpick or uh, or unpick a Galaxy defense that just didn't really have an or Galaxy. Excuse me. It's been a long day.
0: Um, so. It feels like MLS, and I mean our our. Well, I say our, but, you know, LA Galaxy's uh, Julian Araujo was, was part of the squad. So, I mean, you know, and, and legit. And like, we, we felt it. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I think, I think Araujo would have been better served to start that game rather than, you know, starting it off the bench. I think, you know, the way that Honduras attacked and the way that Honduras kind of ran the game. I mean, I think Araujo would have really kind of had it. And, and, and the thing about this tournament is that Araujo looked like he grew and maturity during this entire tournament like he looked like he was taking responsibility and I mean we also know the, a lot of the off-field stuff that has occurred with Araujo in terms of this year in terms of him taking responsibility for you know for example the United uh the 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 Cesar uh, Chavez Day um fundraiser that he did and 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 everything like that like it almost looked like the United States needed leadership on the night and they didn't have it and I would have loved to see Araujo kind of sit in that team and give that leadership but I think I think a lot of people are kind of going doom and gloom on missing out on the Olympics but I think if there's, if there's one positive to take for US men's national team fans it's look most of this team are probably not going to see full national team minutes consistently I think Julian Araujo is probably in line to be a consistent player on that team I think I mean maybe Sebastian Soto, but even then, you know, like there's questions there. And, you know, Jackson Uelli, I mean, you know, it, but a lot of the best youth talent that the United States has right now is not involved with this Olympics team. And I'm okay with that. You know, like if you look at a lot of the best talent, you know, they're all in Europe developing in other places. The missing on the Olympics does not really affect them, right? Like
0: mm-hmm.
1: If you think about the team that they probably would have sent to the Olympics, I mean, Christian Pulisic said he wanted to go, but he said, only if Chelsea will let me go. And the Olympics were, what, July, August? August, the beginning of the season for Chelsea. Do you really think Chelsea was going to let him go? I don't think so. No, of course not. Um, You know, like, Yunus Moussa had said he was interested, but, you know, Valencia, being the club that they are, do you really think he he was going to go? No. Like, missing on the Olympics used to be a very serious thing. And and I, and I would caution you know, I, I think a lot of people think that the u s men's national team missing on the Olympics for the third straight cycle in a row. This means the end of the world. you know the sky is falling. I get that. I understand that. I think that's actually a very fair criticism. However, like where the United States you know look at where the United States is placing youth talent right now. They're not placing it anymore at you know, oh, maybe there's a Norwegian club that we can find a guy for, you know it's you know our best players are playing at Juventus, at Chelsea, at, our, at Leipzig, and like, at major clubs that they probably weren't going to play in the Olympics anyway. Like, this isn't a bad, like, it's, is it disappointing? Yes. Is the way that they lost to Honduras disappointing? Yes. That's not any shade to Honduras, and I fully mean that because I think, I think the, the Mexico-United States dichotomy engages in a certain level of arrogance towards those nations that isn't necessarily well-deserved. But, like, Honduras played an incredible game that day. They Did they they deserve to lose to Honduras? Yes, entirely they did. But Mm -hmm. currently with the way that the United States is progressing in terms of its youth talent right now, it's not that big of a deal to miss on the Olympics right now. Like, I just... I look back at the 2012 London Olympics and that Mexico team that was supposed to conquer the world after 2012 and yeah. you know what happened. But so like, I don't think the Olympics mean as much anymore, if that makes sense. Like I, I, does it suck? Yes. Am I mad about it? Yeah, entirely. Cause the way they capitulated, they showed no fight and Jason Christ basically saying, Oh, you're going to lose more games than you win. And I, you know, I don't feel bad about the way we played on the night. And I'm like, well, you should, because they Ugh. looked like they had no heart, no fire, no interest. That's a, the, the, that, that is a reasonable concern. But in terms of the overarching conversation of youth development has to be steered through the Olympics every time, I, I'm not concerned. I, I, I would have liked to see this group try to go through the Olympics. And I, I think the one player that gets hurt the most out of this is Julian Araujo, which, as a Galaxy mm-hmm. fan, really hurts me. But I think this isn't the end of the world. I wish they had made the Olympics, I think it would have been a very important moment for the U.S. youth, you know, program to finally break that curse. But I think we're in a place right now with looking at the full team, considering the youth players on that team, I think we're going to be okay. Um, I just wish it hadn't happened in the way it happened, if that makes sense.
0: Totally. I mean, look, to me, it's your classic U.S. men's national team got conca Um The under 23 thing i mean it's it's and and it being an mls side in a lot of ways if that's something positive to take of like look at look at this is what we're talking about growing the league and growing soccer in this country it's not going to be easy it's going to be messy um especially after missing out on the world cup in 2018 it it definitely has those undertones and that ptsd i completely understand like you said understandable, but that's not to take away from the talent that the, that the U S men's has, and especially for their youth. Um, you know, it, it's interesting, you know, I even read in, in a random article that said like, you know, the, the youngest men on the team are also the seniors now, <laughs> like P-Lisage, you know? And so it's, it's just, it's really, really, um, it's not, it's more nuanced than I think a lot of people think, and I mean, it hurts to lose to your rival like, um, like Mexico. And and all the kudos to Honduras. Like, if you're gonna lose, I don't know, if you're gonna lose to a team, it's like, of course we were we weren't gonna be able to break through that. That's why I say they got concaqued. You know what I mean?
1: Well, I also think they looked just so static in that game. I mean, they, I, I, I have this running theory that we got really. I don't want to uh, uh, we 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 gained an inferiority complex a couple of years back
0: mm. where mm. we were
1: watching these European teams just create these incredible midfielders and so all of our focus was on let's create a bunch of number 10s and hope that it all works out. When we didn't bother and, and again this is a concept I harp on a lot in this podcast which is about balance and like yes. how do we how do we create balance in a midfield and I feel like we overfocused on creative midfielders when you know if we're going to play the four through three, if we're going to play the system that Kreis had, well, Kreis's system, as we saw at RSL, as we saw at you know, NYCFC forever, however much that's worth considering how that went, um, is all about having a number 10, but having shuttlers, having a six and an eight that can actually move the ball very well. And he didn't really have that. And it's it's one of the things where also, I mean, keep in mind, most of these players are MLS. They're in preseason right now, they're not they didn't hit the ground running. They could never have. So I think, you know, is there a lot to take out of this? Yes, I, I think we mm-hmm. need to do a lot better about building more balanced midfielders and building more balanced teams and building more balanced, you know, you know it, 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 players currently right now. But look, I mean, the current national team camp that was called up against Northern Ireland on March 28th, look at it. I mean, you've got Daryl DK at 20 years old. You've got... You know, Christian Pulisic at 22, Josh Sargent at 21, Gio Reyna at 18. Like, in the midfield, you've got De La Torre at 22, uh, Otetsoyi at 20, Eunice Moose at 18, Brandon Aaronson at 20. And they're all playing for brilliant clubs. Jorginho Dest, starting left back for Barcelona. Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is missing the Olympics bad? Probably yes. Is that a bad thing for this American team as presently constituted? I don't know necessarily if it is, considering where a lot of these players are in their club careers and in their exposure to what they're going to get. For example, there, a lot of this team is going to play in the Nations League. A lot of this team is going to play in the Gold Cup. A lot of this team is going to play in the World Cup qualifiers. Like, I'd much rather have a guy like you know Yunus Musa or you know Luca Della Torre or you know, I mean even a Christian Capis or you know a Gio Reyna, Josh Sargent. I'd much rather have them be playing games that mean a little bit more than the Olympics, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean the Olympics almost didn't even happen because of COVID. Not exactly. to like throw them away, but to say look at look at the conditions in which everybody has to play under to be fit and like MLS didn't even have a regular season. We're asking these kids to be able to I mean, I don't I don't know what Mexico and Honduras are doing in terms of their training, but I also feel like over there they live, breathe sleep, eat, soccer all day long. And that's not necessarily what's happening with our guys.
1: I think my argument is also that I think there's bigger fish to fry for the United States right now. Like I think, you know, there's Mm -hmm. bigger opportunities than the Olympics. And I think in terms of, you know, who needed it more in terms of like the Olympics going forward, I don't think the U S men's national team needed it more than the U S women's national team. Like the U S women's national team needs the Olympics badly because there's so many lessons to be early, not lessons, but like, Questions to be answered in that tournament in terms of how the future of the US women's national team moves forward versus the US men's national team, where a lot of the core of this team is already outside of like where the Olympics would kind of answer questions, if that makes sense.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: I just think, you know, missing the Olympics sucks and I'd love to be there again. But I think considering the context of the US men's national team as it's currently presently created. It's not the hammer blow that everyone is saying it is.
0: Yeah, and I and I like that you talked about the US women because we're not trying to compare the men and the women. They're two separate entities and the women deserve all the, you know, all the glory on their own and, and you know, for recognition for their hard work and, and everything like that. And, you know, so to say, yeah, the men didn't qualify, but the women will be there. And like I keep saying to listeners, if you're not following women's soccer, like you've you've got national teams and you've got the NWSO starting. Like there's there's no reason to not follow that, you know? Um and of course it's easy to make the jump to say, well, if the men can't even qualify for the Olympics, then how are we gonna fare? We'll just have to wait and see. Like everything. Well,
1: I also will add, I think the Olympics being an under-23 tournament and what the Olympics means on the men's side, look, I mean, if it's under-23, well, now under-24, considering they added a year of eligibility, you run down this roster that was called against Northern Ireland, well, yeah, that wins that tournament every single day, because, I mean, you look at, you know, Anthony Robinson's going to be there, Chris Richards is going to be there, Brian Reynolds is going to be there, Eric Palmer Brown's going to be there, excuse me, Eunice Moose is going to be there, Brennan is going to be there, Luca De La Torre, uh, Christian Capis, uh, Giovanni Reina, Josh Sargent, Christian Pulisic. The whole entire problem that the United States ran into was just simply the fact that it's not considered an official FIFA date. Therefore, clubs aren't obligated to release their players to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, they're in the middle of a European season where, you know, I don't think a lot of these clubs, as they're coming to the close of their season, wanted to release their players to a 14 day quarantine. I get it. I understand it. It makes sense. Like, but I, I think if you're trying to pull some you know, massive, you know, I don't know, like massive overarching point about the United States men's national team and the program as it currently stands. I don't think you can really find a lot because I I just don't think that this tournament as presently constituted, considering also the context of how it happened and, and the team that was called up before a year ago, which was significantly better, that then wasn't obviously not able to be called up because of, you know, the year delay, I just don't think that there's a lot to be pulled out of that Olympic tournament. I mean, yes, there were moments that I I was I was about to pull out my hair because they were static and boring through midfield. The attack wasn't cutting. I, <laughs> you know, they couldn't score goals to save their lives. I mean, decently they were decent defensively, but I mean, that was about it. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I want to. Say that there's some overarching, you know, kind of like really big deal issues, but I can't really point to them simply because I think the way that the United States is currently present in terms of its youth development, it's a little bit more. I don't think the Olympics is a tournament that matters to the United States right now at this point in time in terms of development.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I definitely think um, the lack of leadership has always been a question uh, for the U.S. Men's, like we you know. It's just – it is. It is disappointing. And, you, and you're always hoping and striving for better, of course. You know, um, just always trying to improve. That's all, that's all we can do from, from here. And it's not like,
1: it, it's not like they, they just fell on their face and there was no one that showed their right their, their ability. I mean, honestly, Jonathan Lewis was brilliant in this tournament. Jordy Mihailovic, whenever he got his opportunities, was great. Sam Vines was brilliant. Hassani Dotson, um, I'm a big fan of now. And David Ochoa on goal was really good. So it's it's not like they necessarily were a bunch of, you know, bums that showed up and didn't <laughs> do anything. It's just the fact that, like, they ran into a more determined team and that was that, you know, like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, they're definitely young and talented. Yeah.
1: And sometimes, like, you you don't have the better 11 players. And the whole entire thing about it was, you know, I think Honduras on the day just had the better 11 players. It happens. Like, it just sucked that it happened in that game, you know.
0: mm. I like well f- for all we can say I-, I like the outlook and hopefully you know US fans hang in there um you know these takeaways it's it's the only thing that we can do is you know keep a level head that's what we're here for <laughs> to be that voice um because it because it does seem all, all doom and gloom um so segueing to LA Galaxy another one that it's preseason, and the Galaxy lost to the Revs and headed to Tucson Sun Cup and also lost. So, I mean, in that that first game against the Revs, uh, I mean, right away you say Bond is going to be the number one keeper. Um, it, it also looked like, you know, simple mistakes, um, you know, that... You know, the Galaxy allowed two goals that shouldn't have gone through. You know, the second half was disappointing. And, I mean... Well, the,
1: first, the, mm-hmm. the first game they won, remember, that was the Jonathan Perez goal.
0: The second mm-hmm. game,
1: I think... So, so what I, I would say about those two games is that... They were very different ideologies in terms of what they were trying to figure out, right? Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: the first game you start a starting eleven that... Decently, you think, is going to be the starting 11 outside of some additions. I mean, you talk about the fact that, you know, uh, Grand Seer is not with the team. Velasquez is not with the team right now due to uh, uh, coronavirus restrictions and, and quarantines, etc. And then the rumors that that they finally have gotten the deal for Kevin Cabral down. Um, I doubt that Christian Pavona is coming back, um, considering some of the posting today. Um, but, you know, I think what's cool about this team right now is that it looks like Greg Vanney is willing to give the kids a chance. But he's willing to give the kids a chance and he's willing to let them make mistakes. And I think what we saw in that 4-1 game, which was the second game on the 31st, was that a lot of kids made a lot of mistakes and that's what led to goals. But Greg Vanney went with them against the game, or in the game against Sporting Kansas City today, which unfortunately I I didn't have the ability to watch, so I'm only operating off a, uh, a highlight reel. But the highlight reel that I saw, I mean, it looked like, the Galaxy had some really good opportunities and really looked like they were taking the game to to a team that, you know, say in sporting Kansas City is one of the better teams in MLS. I think I think a lot of people who are looking for a lot of um a lot of meaning out of those games, I don't think you can find it simply because of the fact that. This team is not complete. I mean, there's no question in my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's only certain things that we can kind of pull from those games. I think Jonathan Bond being the number one keeper is no question in my mind going to be a thing. Um, I, you look at the the way that he played against New England in both those games, or in 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 the first game, and then you look at the way he played today. I mean, just well, man,
0: definitely kudos to him. Thing. I don't mean to be like Klimsman is a fudge up so then you know it's bond like no 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 bond is obviously earned being the first uh keeper it's just when you see cleanse making those mistakes you're just like uh you know it's it's i mean you definitely want to have that depth you know
1: but i think it's also partially i think at least the first goal that they conceded against new england where you know it's a it's a really bad pass out of the pack I don't think it's or or uh, sorry uh, referring to the the Wednesday game because I forgot that we played them in two, like.
0: I know. <laughs>
1: it's the whole entire thing where it's like you guys are in the bubble, you might as well play twice, right? Um, the first goal they conceded against New England in the Wednesday game. I mean, it's just it's poor decision making from everyone involved. It's not necessarily Quinsman's fault. It's just that everyone kind of gets their wires crossed. I'm. Mm. I think what we saw in the game against New England on the second game, not the first game, is probably a little bit closer to what we're going to see in terms of tactical ideology from uh, Greg Vanny, which is to say that it's going to look like a three five two that can play like a four through three that can play like a three six one if necessary. Um, I don't necessarily you know like it further supports my theory that I think a lot of teams are moving away from. Strict, rigid tactical ideology. And yes, there will be teams that always have that. Barcelona will always play a 4 3 -3 possession based style. Like that's always going to be a thing. But I think the Galaxy right now are in this weird transitionary period between tactical ideologies because Shalota was so married to the 4 3 3, was so married to that ideology. And now we're moving into the 3 5 2, which is Greg Vanny's preferred system. And that means we're seeing Zubac at right wing. We're seeing Zubac in kind of weird positions. We're seeing you know, Chicharito and Cameron Dunbar up together at on top, which is kind of an interesting thing. Uh, I was
0: going to say, I was so glad to see Dunbar again. <laughs> yeah. And, and
1: I think what it, sorry, pen fell, um, What I'd like to see is, I'd actually really like to see Chicharito and uh, Augie Williams together. I think that would be a very interesting pairing to see play together because I think it would actually work really well. Um, but I think we're just seeing, I think this preseason is all about creating, um, Creating relationships, if that makes sense.
0: Hmm. Creating,
1: you know. Definitely it, something
0: that the Galaxy teams have kind of lost, right? You felt like the, the locker room in the past was, like, disjointed. And so, no, yeah. Now that they're creating these connections.
1: Yeah. And, and, it's, and, and again, I, the word that I think everyone hates that I use. But I'm going to use it again. It's balance. It's all about creating balance. It's all about creating, you know. If you look at Sasha Kleschen in the game today against SKC. You know, the, the limited minutes that he got. I mean, he was... I mean, the dude looks like he's, like, 26, but he's, you know, 38. He's going he's gonna to play until we're <laughs> dead. Like, I swear to God, I'm going to be, like, 80, and Sasha Question's still going to be pinging cornerbells, you know.
0: I hope he is.
1: wide to the way. <laughs> I hope, um, I hope but he is. It just looked like and, – and I said this in a tweet that I sent after the game on March 27th where I said, when Jonathan Perez scored that goal, like, everyone just looked happier than I've ever seen them in a Galaxy jersey. Like, just everyone looked a little bit lighter. Like, everything looked a little bit, like, okay, we get it. And, yeah, they lost 4-1 on the Wednesday night. And, yeah, it was a bit of an experimental kind of, like, hey, this is, you know, we're giving the
0: Throw the young guns in and see how they fare. We're
1: we're giving some trialists an opportunity, et cetera. Like, I get that. But everyone just looked a little better, if that makes sense to me. You know, like, it it
0: just. By everyone, you mean Chicharito? No, I'm kidding.
1: I mean, even Chicharito looks, like, Three thousand times better, and I understand that he he felt a need to get better over the soft season. He's definitely starting to prove it. I I would like to see him start scoring. Um,
0: yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong when I when I tease like that, I'm not hating on my own player. I'm not rooting against my own team. Like that is that is ridiculous. I want to see Chicharito do well. I want to see him do better. And you know, it it he's already making that effort. I mean, I I at least saw my Galaxy Twitter feed getting excited. Like getting hope back for Chicharito, so he he must be doing something.
1: Well, he banged, I mean, he banged one off the post or uh, off the crossbar. But again, we we maybe.
0: did say that's that's the Chicharito way.
1: Well, he also banged one off the crossbar today against uh, mm. uh, Sporting Kansas City. So like he's he's kind of getting back there. I think what's interesting. Yeah, about take the shots. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting about this team is it's just, it just it feels like they move better in a certain respect. Um, mm. it's just everyone feels better. Like I, I don't know how to like it's
0: I know that's the, such I'm not a probably it's lame, the coach,
1: no I know that's a lame, easy kind of way to look at it and a lame excuse, but for, you know, not pulling numbers and I apologize. Uh but it just feel like I mean, everyone was smiling in a way on the sideline when Paris scored his goal in a way that I hadn't seen in years. You know? Like mm-hmm. it did feel like just everyone feels a little lighter. And yeah, it, is it going to be a learning curve? Yeah, horribly. It's going to be difficult. But and, and going it's back, pre-season. yeah, in going Arizona, from, going from the 4-3-3 to the three five two is a little bit of a weird learning curve. And you know that's that's that and whatever have you. And I mean they've got probably about four more signings they've got to finish. But you know I I feel like you know this team kind of is starting to buy into what Vanny's saying, and I feel like this team is starting to kind of get it. And I feel like what we saw today was, and you have Vanny switched the lines halfway through, you know, and I think a lot of people try to gain a lot of, look, I, I, the thing I'd stress to galaxy fans is I don't know necessarily if you can pull out of this preseason. Like Greg Vanny changes things all the time right now. And he, I mean, he's trying to figure out what his best 11 is. I'm really happy that a lot of the kids are getting a lot of minutes. Like, I mean, Jalen Neal is probably the, the one big winner for me from this, this, preseason so far but I mean also Aki Williams is probably the second biggest winner and I'm not really sure exactly who I want to put in in a first team jersey right now I think you know as we get we have two more preseason games left I think the game against Colorado on Wednesday of this week Mm -hmm. that's going to be the last experimentation game I think Saturday against Real Salt Lake that's going to be the game where we kind of start to have to pull meaningful things out of.
0: But yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Then they have to I'm return ex- to LA too. Uh,
1: well, I, I, if I was a betting man, they're heading straight to Miami after that. If I, if I'm a betting man, um, just simply because it's easier. And I, and I think Vanny's got a little bit better handle on travel than mm. does. Um, I mean,
0: yes, but my media notes say that the galaxy will return to LA for final preseason prep at, at the diggity after the 10th. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's an interesting decision that I probably wouldn't make. And that's why I'm not the head coach. Um, but I, 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 I don't know I, that. I don't know if it's a scheduling thing, too. I mean, I don't no, know that.
1: They also might have, have to, it might, it might be a procedure thing where, you know, they have to do COVID tests and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I just think, you know, I, I think it's a right now, it's about kind of. Imp- Implementing a philosophy on this team, which is a three-five-two that can be so tactically flexible, and I think this is a whole entire trend that we've seen in, in modern soccer nowadays, which is that you know play or uh, teams emphasize tactical flexibility over necessarily rigid systems. As I said earlier, I I'm excited to see what these next two games bring because I think you know with the the addition of Grancier, and I hope that they get the uh, Cavral deal over the line, and then get him to the United States, which then quarantine and all the rest of that, which is going to take forever, unfortunately, as we saw with the Yoni Gonzalez last year. Yeah. Yeah, but,
0: I, but this is definitely – I mean, I was going to say it's – the pieces are, are fitting better Yeah, and it's, when, like, when they come in, you know? Yeah, and I feel like – Instead of it feeling, like, disjointed and, like, hey, where does this guy fit? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, because, I mean, we, we, we talked often about the fact that when Shiloto was, was coaching, it was – well, yeah, we can see something there, but – the players don't get it. And maybe it was just the fact that Shalota was a little too cerebral for his own good. Now, Vanny kind of, I think is very good about kind of saying like, you know, grabbing someone by the scruff of his neck and saying like, Hey, this is where you belong. This is where you belong. This is where we're going to get it done. And I think that's what he built in Toronto. And I think that's kind of what he's building here. And look, I'm not saying this year is going to be, you know, knock it out of the park. I legitimately am not.
0: Or even like contenders to the cup, you know,
1: yeah, I, I, I do not think we are contenders for the Cup starting this year. But I think I'm starting to see a lot of things that I really like. And maybe it's just the, the eternal optimist to me that went to the Padres opening day and wants to believe that every sports team that I love is good. Um, but I, I just feel like things just feel a little better, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I'm a Dodgers fan where you're like losers in the first opening, but I'm a loyal fan. So it's okay. We're going to, we can do this and we won, just won the world series. So, you know, it's like, ah. but, um, you know, that's the thing with, with Vanny. And I don't know if we've said it yet. I know you and I've definitely talked about it one-on-one, um, after this season, however it goes, like you can't just be like Vanny out. You know what I mean you can't like keep changing coaches um, as we've already discussed uh on you well, know yeah. till our I mean, faces are blue like we've got to, we've got it this is how you see it through this is how it starts
1: yeah exactly I mean you know I, I don't think they gave Shiloto enough resources or time to really figure it out, but it does feel like
0: mm-hmm. considering
1: this whole entire concept of the sense ninety six campaign and like the whole entire thing that like the guys are more than happy to give Vanny more time than they were going to ever give any other head coach, right? Because Vanny means something to the crest. Like he will get his time, and I also think that's important. Considering, I mean, what it took Toronto two or three years to get to where Toronto became and the, the fearsome <laughs> force in the East that it is. I, I'm excited. I think, and I know. I, I mean, the four-one loss was a bit, you know, demoralizing. But I think if mm-hmm. you if you think about it in the context of what they were trying to get done that night, it's. I somehow got into space flight over this, uh, this quarantine and uh, SpaceX, the company has had a couple of failures, but you know, there, there have been moments where basically they've told us like, Oh, this test was a failure, but we learned so much.
0: Mm -hmm. I was in that
1: 4-1 game was kind of that context where it's like, yeah, they lost 4-1, but they learned a ton and it looked like they were learning the entire time through that game. And I think, yeah you know, I, I just think they're learning more every single game, even though they're losing you know and, and and I hate to say that, and I hate to be that kind of like
0: person, but like i think it's I think everything's gonna be okay, like I really do I well, think... I mean, I'm so sorry to cut you off but like what I was just gonna say Roku, was just an MLs gonna MLS you can have a score line of four one and then a one zero loss and the next thing you know the galaxy are gonna win their next three you know what I mean (laughs) yeah and and also I mean also we're looking at a galaxy
1: team that isn't complete I think anyone that thinks that 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 the lineups we have seen through the revs games and like this is your
0: 11 this is your la galaxy like (laughs) like,
1: you're crazy to think that that's going to be the final 11 come opening day like I don't think that's going to happen like I legit like obviously Velasquez is going to be a part of this grant I is he going to be a starter? Well, I don't know about that, but Grand Sear is going to be a part of this. If they can get Cabral over from France in enough time, then he's definitely going to be a part of this. They probably are going to try and find a striker to pair off to Chirito. Um, I, I don't think they're done in terms of movement. And, like,
0: and, and so therefore- like there's still a summer window. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I mean, I, I, Vinny himself had said that like we're excited to have Velasquez and uh, Grand Sear with us in Arizona. They just have to finish out like, all of their, you know, whatever have you. I, I don't know the, what currently the procedure in MLS is right now. Um, so once they finish that out, then we're going to see them involved. And I think that's going to really change the way that we talk about this team. You know, like, we're going to see, very, we're going to see a very different look. But I think, you know, there, there's, there were moments in these preseason games where I felt like, I'm really excited to watch the Galaxy play. You know, like, I'm very mm-hmm. excited about that. I think I I I I mean I obviously didn't get to watch the the game in person, but the highlights reels I've seen out of the SKC game, I'm like, yes, this is what we should be, and I'm hoping that that translates through these new players that they're going to add in through the entire season. I I honestly like this is going to look good in two years' time, like in a year's time, like this is going to look good. It's just going to take time, and I and I hope you know we're we're an impatient fan base, and I know it, but I hope that we give Vanny and his ideology and the, the players that we're bringing in a year or so to breathe that in and then go from there.
0: Yeah, this is preseason. This is the time to make the mistakes. This is the time to figure it out. And, I mean, I don't want to say that preseason doesn't mean anything, but take everything with a grain of salt as always. And, I mean, Christian and I are definitely here to keep, keep you level-headed. <laughs> And to keep, uh, you know, cautious optimism, as always, as a Galaxy fan, now.
1: Yeah, I, I, and, I, and I do this every preseason, and I know it, but I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. But I think it finally feels like there's a system in place that Vanny's kind of gotten into the, to the locker room and gotten into their heads and, and got them going. And what's exciting is, like, the young kids, right? Like, Neil has looked
0: brilliant, mm-hmm.
1: Augie Williams, I think, is the biggest winner of, uh, I mean, it's either him or Neil that are the, the biggest winners of, of this preseason. Like, this is going to be a young team again, and it's going to be a fun team. And it's finally some definition of the pipeline from Los Dos, the academy, to here. And, like, that's exciting to me because, like, I've been dying for this. I've, as I've, I've said on this podcast before, my Platonica deal of an MLS club is FC Dallas. That's what we should be. We're finally getting there. And I think if the kids can prove that this year, then, who oh boy, considering what Greg Vanney did with the kids in Toronto, like Toussaint Ricketts, um, Eric Savaletta. really talented kid that's playing for Canada right now that I, my brain is not coming to me right now because I have a bit of a log project to finish after we finish recording. Um.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, we're, yeah, it's getting close to, to Easter Sunday right now as we're talking. By the time you're listening to this, it most likely will be <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, uh, like, way out, w- well off.
1: <laughs> he brought up so many good, young, talented players through that Toronto side. And the Galaxy are showing him like almost this is the perfect synergy between Dennis DeClosa and Greg Fanny. Because Dennis DeClosa is so good about finding young talent and making sure it comes to him. And then Greg Fanny just going to be the guy that's going to let it you know, unleash it. And that's awesome. And I'm so, I, like... I want to see this work. I think it's going to take time. And I stress that, that time. And as I said, in one of our first episodes, when we started recording the season was patience. I think that's Mm -hmm. important.
0: Patience and balance now, but this is, this is how, this is how you, you develop the team. I mean, this is how, you know, you make MLS and especially for the galaxy being the standard of the league still, this is how you don't have this as a retirement league. You have to give the young kids a chance, even if it feels like you're watching G2.
1: And yeah, and maybe that's what we're going to have to be for a year and a half or two. But I'm okay with that, considering they, they're going to need opportunities. And if we give them those opportunities while also bolstering with pieces that, you know, for example, Grand seer who's 24, and a like, overall, I believe he's 23. Um, he might be 24. I think he's 23. You know, like, we're, we're bolstering with the younger pieces that are precocious young talents from Europe. Like, this is good. Like, I'm excited about this.
0: And leadership from Jonathan Dos Santos, if he's not injured, and... A, sasha Clausen uh, sasha sasha obviously if he's not in a wheelchair. <laughs> obviously uh, right exactly I sasha clausen yeah he he definitely took the reins um and and again this is something that comes down to leadership so we'll definitely have to wait and see um I'm not mad about what's happening <laughs> so uh, definitely stay tuned Christian and I will have a breakdown of um we're going to be going from defense mid to to starting preview for y- for y'all so stay tuned thank you so much christian any other takeaways um not many
1: just give us time give us patience and we're going to be good
0: yes like follow subscribe and thank you so much as always